You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to a live recording of the Claret and Blue uh, podcast. I can't even get the name of the podcast right. Oh God, just before we started this, I did a big sigh thinking that I don't really want to talk about Wolves again. <laughs> and we're not going to focus on it too much. We're obviously going to look ahead to Spurs and uh, we're going to talk about Matty Cash's new contract as well. Um, but it does feel, like I said in our post-match debrief that we did after the Wolves game, me and Ash, it feels like Villa are kind of plodding along to the end of the season now. And like I said, we won't go down. Obviously, we're not getting to Europe. The best we can do is is probably ninth place. Um, and somebody in the comments said, oh, we're not we're not even safe yet. And I kind of thought, bloody hell. Right. I think we're on 36 points. So I'm pretty sure Watford are on 22, I want to say. So there's a 12, 14 point gap. I mean, if we do get relegated from this position, I'm going to look the, the biggest mug uh, yeah. going, but I'm pretty sure we are safe at this point. Um, but yeah, Villa plodding on to the end is, is how I feel it feel it is. And it feels like, as I started this with a big sign, couldn't even get my words out, uh, this podcast feels like I'm plodding on as well. <laughs> Pat, how are you, mate? Take the reins. I'm exactly the same. It's a bit laborious, isn't it? Just like the... Um... Well, the players are like they're basically on holiday already, especially in the first half against Wolves, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, nothing to play for. I'd I'd like to say there's no danger of relegation. In my head, there's no danger of relegation. I feel like if Newcastle fans are all just talking about next season and they're completely fine with it, we're fine. I don't think there's any panic about that. Um, if we don't get four points in the remaining eight games, and we oh, yeah, have to go down, drastically wrong with the club if that doesn't happen. But um, yeah, I've got no worries about relegation and. I think if you offered me the season to finish today, I'd probably take it, to be honest. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know why Villa are playing like they're on holiday. Like, I was watching at, uh, Crystal Palace last night, and I'll, I know they've got an FA Cup uh, semi-final, I think, but I was just really jealous of the atmosphere and like the, the their style of play. And like I know we've beaten them, but I just seemed up for it, and, and we never seem up for it these, in the past three games. I think Southampton was a stark contrast, wasn't it? It's Leeds, that little run with Brighton as well. And he might need us to go back to the four three one two for it to get back that way. But the past three games have been a, a bit tough to watch, haven't they? Well, now we've all now the both of us have just hyped up the remaining season, hyped up how thrilled <laughs> we are to be in a podcast. Uh, stick with us for the next five minutes pumping. or so. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, jealous of Crystal Palace. Although to be fair, there was a stage of the season, or, or maybe when we were getting promoted, or even still in the championship, where if you'd have said, you know end of March, early April, you, you're pretty much safe and you're going to have a, a middling end to the season and finish 12th or whatever. There's probably a time when we'd have bit your arm off for that and said, yeah, all right, let's just have a boring, consolidating mid-table season. Yeah. I think the thing that's disappointing and it's what me and Ash spoke about the other day is that we'll be, I think it's our fourth, I still can't work out, mate. It's our, we'll be starting our fourth season in the Premier League in August yeah. and it kind of feels like we've not really made that much progress like if you kind of think right get up stay up push into Europe like that should have been this year was was the year that we kicked on and we haven't really so I I feel like that's why it feels a little bit disappointing a little bit kind of turgid and and slow and a bit of a slog to, to get to the end but you know, a couple I mean, of years ago, you had taken, wasn't it? It was you know, taken that. Three, was it three weeks before the season? Grealish went, or even sooner than that. I can't remember. And then, obviously, November. I think Smith was sacked, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And then Gerard came in. So there's two big changes for the club. So I think the kind of progress that we probably wanted in terms of Europe was a bit ambitious. But as you said, I would have taken a boring season four years ago. But I think next season is probably where the pressure builds a bit more, especially after. And the uh, Gerard's first summer transfer window in charge, that's probably when the pressure will ramp up to try and 
push mm. forward. Well, someone who's part of that project still and, and willing to stick around, he doesn't feel like it's a slog, is Matty Cash, who uh, yesterday signed a contract extension for five years. So matching Emmy Martinez with the contract till 2027. Um, that's Great news, isn't it? Especially with the, however strong the rumours were or not, with the Atletico Madrid interest to have one of your players who's probably the most improved under Gerard um, would get my vote for player of the season at the moment. Mm. I said to you earlier that, you know, kind of gets that by default and that's not to disrespect Matty Cash. It's just that there's not been another standout player in my mind that, that I would I would vote for. So, you know, player of the season, new contract and, and willing to, to commit to Aston Villa and, and the project going forward. So, internally at Aston Villa they're, they're still up for it they still think there's a job to be done yeah definitely I was I was getting quite worried about those rumours linking cash with the move away I thought it was one of those Atletico Madrid is just one of those clubs isn't it a, a player probably isn't going to turn that opportunity down if it comes about but Villa obviously acted quickly got him tied down to a new contract I know he's third in tackles in the league second in blocks third in interceptions third in defensive pressures so you can't really understate his defensive capabilities in the squad which I think is the first role of a right back <laughs> I'd yeah. want to be honest I think I think the attacking plays has come on leaps and bounds under Gerrard as well to be honest he's not so much got that uh, first time cross into the box yet but he's got that little cut back that he keeps utilising doesn't he I think that's a bit threatening until uh, teams work that one out but yeah player of the season for me definitely I think from memory in the in the back end of uh, Smith's era I can't I think it's the West Ham game when we lost I can't remember the score it was it was disheartening and demoralising I know that but there was only one player I remember sitting and watching it with my cousin and I just remember thinking there's only one player here that's kind of standing out for me and it's going grabbing the ball driving forward and it was Matty Cash and he's carried that over into uh, the Gerrard era as well it's thrilled to be one of our better players so yeah extremely happy that he's tied down and I think he's going to be a big piece moving forward I mean, right back player of the season screams mid table, doesn't it? Unless you're unless you're Trent or, or whatever. Yeah, right back player of the season is boring. Uh, how many goals and assists is that for the season now? Have you got that? Have you got that in hand? Got, uh, I can't remember. I think it's <laughs> two goals, isn't it? And then three assists, and then one in the Carabao Cup as well. One to Archer. That was probably my favourite one for him, to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, my do that consistently, probably be the complete yeah, my, goal, to be honest. My point there really is that that's not really enough, is it? As much yeah. as we're saying player of the season, and he he, he has been a, a good uh, a good player all season and improved under Gerard. Yeah, if you're playing attacking fullbacks, a couple of goals and maybe a couple of assists. I mean, we should really have got the figures to hand here, but it's still not many. I know we're not we're not. It's not like we're gonna we're gonna Google it in a second find out he's got like twelve assists or something stupid. It's, <laughs> it's a very few. Um, that is that needs to be worked on, doesn't it? And that's something that he will work on over the summer. And if next season he's he's getting something like four goals and nine assists, you'd say, oh yeah, that's a, a, a massive improvement. And I'm now going to Google how many he's got this year just to make sure we're not making ourselves look silly. It's three goals, three assists in the league, and one in the league cup. Um, yeah. So yeah, as we suspected, not great. Uh, you probably want to. You'd at least want to double those assists next season, but he's here for the for the long term, hopefully. And and like we said, that is a, a bit of promising news in, in in what is a pretty rubbish month so far. Wolves, then you were there. I mean, that's even worse. I you was were sadly there. in the home end for it as well. Though while well, yeah. I'm just thinking, oh no, oh god, it's not a pen. <laughs> oh, what's he doing? <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. I mean, Molyneux is one of the my, my least favourite games I've ever been to. To be honest, so it's bad enough whether you're in the away end or the home end, uh, regardless of the result. 
Uh, me and Ash spoke about it. I feel like I've given my thoughts on the podcast already, but I will quickly go through them before we move on. But we'll, we'll get a fresh opinion first. How did you uh, assess that game with your tactical head on? The first 20 minutes were just disastrous, wasn't it? I felt like, I think Luca Dean had a stomach problem, but it kind of showed he was getting torn to shreds on the left uh, wing and then slipping over from McGinn and Konza. Everyone just looked half asleep. It was just a disaster, wasn't it? But then... The performance as a whole wasn't actually that bad. But like in when you look at the general point of view, I think it was our second most creative game of the season. I think, um, yeah, in terms of shot creating actions, I think if we had, uh, I said before the game, the main point we probably main obstacle we were going to face was Jose Sarr in goal. I think he's got the highest save rate in the league. I said maybe the finishing of Danny Ings might have helped, and if he was on the end of that one with Watkins <laughs> yeah. or one of the ones Watkins had, maybe we would have uh, somehow scraped a point. But, um, yeah, it's just one to move on. Wolves got something to play for and it showed, but we did hand it to them on a plate at times with the slips. And I I remember watching the um, Ashley Young one as well. Everyone stood up and obviously I wasn't that um, into the uh, Wolves attack. So I was kind of still, still sat down at the time, watched the ball float over. I thought, yeah, I was just going to put that out for a corner. It'll be easy. And I just heard a roar all around me. I was like, how on earth has that just happened? <laughs> but, yeah, it was a disaster. I didn't think the Watkins penalty was a penalty either. I thought Watkins kind of bundled into the keeper. I thought I was lucky for us. Mm. I thought oh, VAR might overturn that. But yeah, another day Watkins puts his chances away and we win 3-2. So there you go. It's weird how you say that, it, that from the stats point of view, it wasn't wasn't that bad a performance in terms of creativity, mm. especially you know making chances and stuff. And you posted, I think, McGinn's stats yeah. and... Uh, there was somebody else was Sansa I think did like the most yeah, pressures Sansa. of the of the, of the side so far but it didn't feel like that I don't yeah. know I don't know how I explain that and I think that yeah, the general mood mean. amongst the fan base thinks that was a pretty rubbish result and performance yeah. but for some reason the stats show that like McGinn it looked like McGinn had a decent game but then mm. he's playing number six with like the, what, did he have like the, the, the most progressive yeah, carries or something like that? But it's like that's that's good. Looks good for John McGinn, but not as a number six. You don't want your defensive yeah. midfielder being the one yeah, that's definitely. been the, the most creative. So maybe it's it, it's misleading to say that the stats look good for certain players, but in the system they're playing in, McGinn shouldn't be mm-hmm. leading leading those statistics yeah. because he should he should be leading tackles won and you know ball ball retention or well, I don't know what stats yeah. exist for defensive he did players. Lead tackles won as well. To be fair. <laughs> Were they? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> there we, I think there we, more that we were just so like uh, we were panicking a bit, and McGinn's obviously McGinn's natural instinct is to get on the ball, drag us forward. But the problem started arising when you know he's he's the deepest player, but he'd, he'd often receive the ball, wouldn't he? With was back to goal, and mm. two players closing him down, and then he gets issues just start stem from that, don't they? So I think it was just it was the wrong call to put him as the number six. To be honest, it's not his position, is it? Douglas Louise, I don't know why he got dropped. He's if he's good enough to if he's fit enough to be on the bench. I don't know if there was an injury or if it was just a, a statement made by Gerard in terms of the contract negotiations or something. I don't know. But yeah, Douglas Louise, I thought we looked a lot better when he came on and we reverted back to our normal system. But as a whole, I thought maybe the main thing we missed was Danny Ings and going to this four three one two, as I've said. Because hmm. this four three two one is just not working really, is it? It's it's interesting the Louise thing. I think I think we spoke about it. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself to people that have already listened to the, the post match wars one. But 
I understand dropping Louise. Like when the T news came out, I thought, yeah, fair enough. Like I don't, I'm not against him being dropped, trying something a bit different, give Sanson some game time. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. You know, on the face of it, you go, yeah, fair enough. That that makes sense. You've got to make changes. But that result, that change doesn't just result in dropping Louise for 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 Sanson and, and trying something different. It moves McGinn back to a position he's not used to either. Yeah, and we exactly. all know that Douglas Louise isn't a number six, but neither is John McGinn. So that substitution oh, doesn't doesn't change anything. You'd been better off putting Louise in there and swapping Sanson for McGinn if you just want yeah. to change it for for the sake of fresh legs and stuff. So that was the wrong call in the end. Like yeah. before the game, you think, yeah, fair enough, but not for putting John McGinn at number six. There was a massive comment on the on the YouTube video of the last of the last one from a fan who's you watching up in Scotland. I think who is is from Scotland themselves, saying like he's plays for Scotland in, in the international break is so number 10 effectively and, and scores yeah. goals and then he comes back to Villa and plays number 6 it's, it's just not his role and you know I think he's McGinn's been in for a bit of bit of stick after the game and for you know a fair point a fair um, amount of the season to be fair I don't know I just don't get it uh, I, don't, I don't know what we're trying at the moment and that's probably the the most disappointing thing you know when Joe first comes it's about attacking four backs and two number 10s and then we don't play two number tens anymore. And yeah. when we do, they don't really play together. We've got Bailey kind of playing second striker, winger number ten, all yeah. rolled into one. He just oh, it's just weird. Like where's the where's like the tactical flexibility here to be a bit smart about things? It just feels like we cobbled something together and we went, Yeah, go on, just let's give that a go and pull it out of the hat. Or something yeah. like that. Bizarre. Um I 100% agree. I think first game of the season, we played McGinn in a 4-2-3-1 as one of like the two holder midfielders. He struggled then. And then mm. McGinn, uh, during that Southampton game where Smith did the same thing, he was just like a panic formation change. Did yeah. the same, put McGinn as one of the two in a double pivot. So let alone as playing like as a pairing, as like a defensive midfielder, he struggles. But then he puts him as the lone central defensive midfielder and it was always going to go one way, wasn't it? I mean, you'd be yeah. better off having having Coutinho and McGinn behind the striker and yeah. just playing Sanson and Louise Ramsey as a three and having McGinn further forward because that's where, that's where his game is. That's where he's better in terms of dragging us forward and stuff. He, he's not the last the last line of defence before the mm-hmm. before the centre-half screening the back four. It's bizarre to have John McGinn playing that deep for me. And if it's a case of McGinn or Louise to play that deeper role as Louise every day, now, I'm not even a massive fan of Louise. It's just he's better than McGinn at number six. Yeah, best of a worst case scenario, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about Calvin Phillips, I suppose, as a natural successor a successor to our midfield issues. Uh, lots of paper talk at the moment, 60 million bids. Um, should be less, to be honest, for those shoes he was pictured wearing the, the other week. <laughs> that that was, oh, that was straight out of the Wombles, weren't they then? Um, bizarre. But yeah, 60 million. <sighs> Again, for me, this is paper talk. Um, I think you've looked into what he could offer mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And yes, he is a good player. I don't think he's worth 60 million. I don't particularly think he would leave Leeds for Villa if Leeds stay up. Um, I think there'll be bigger clubs. I think Man United will potentially look today. And Arsenal potentially looking for a midfielder. I think there'll be other other clubs looking for, for Phillips, uh, which give him better opportunities in terms of European football. And I also don't agree that 60 million is a price that you pay for a player like that. I think... So you're looking at like 40 million tops but yeah, yeah tell me tell me what you think and what you'd offer and um and let's take it from there and kind of squash this one as quick as we can 
<laughs> well, I'm going to probably oppose the view here a bit. We were quoted about 30 million, I'm pretty sure, when they were in the championship, weren't they? So I feel like 60 is probably just a natural progression for England's player of the year last season. And we Leeds probably know that he's exactly what we need and we probably will pay over the odds for it. Um, he's someone who will sit in front of the defence, act as that anchor, break play up. Um, just all around, his defensive capabilities are quite amazing. I think uh, third in is in the top one percent of midfielders for pressures, top three percent for blocks, uh, top fifteen percent for tackles, and top eighteen percent for interceptions. Um, there's limitations with how he progresses the ball. I don't think he's that progressive player that's going to drive us forward. I think if he did come into the side, he'd just be dishing it after the players around him, like Ramsey, McGinn, Sanson. But that's probably how it helps Villa, if that makes sense. So, yeah, like, I think that yeah that makes sense. That's what Villa need. Yeah, they need someone in there to sit things down. And, yeah, I, I understand that, and I think that's fair enough. But I think you can get that role yeah, elsewhere for, for less than sixty million. You effectively just described Marvis Nakamba, who we've already got. Yeah, it's true. And I'm not saying that he's Nakamba's the answer. We st- we still seriously need to sign, uh, you know, a midfield enforcer in the in the summer. But I mean, it's not our job. It's not my job to sit here and give you three or four names we could do. But you've got scouting networks, and massive mm-hmm. massive operations in football clubs, and the best we can find is Calvin Phillips right on our doorstep for sixty mil. Yeah. Like, we can't find a Calvin Phillips equivalent from Europe for for thirty. 25 like I think there's better value for money out there if if, if you if you go looking for it yeah there is that but I think there might be that might just be another like, transition away from the general tra- tra- transfer strategy that they want to win now basically to be honest I think yeah they're probably prepared to pay an extra 20 million just so we are better next season they know someone who's who knows the league well he's an England international we don't get there being uh, bad yet he was sensational in the Euros yeah he's um, a good player but um, as I said, it, it might solve a lot of problems, but it doesn't solve all of the problems. So, like one player can't cover all the gaps that Luca Dean and Cash provide if they bomb forward yeah. at the same time. I think you'd be putting a lot of pressure on someone to solve every single problem at Villa right now. But in terms of just having that extra line of defence ahead of the um, the back four, I think he does solve that for Villa. Probably would improve us slightly, but you've got to build that around. And then you've got to factor in sixty million for him. If we do pay it, and then the rumored thirty-three million for Coutinho, that's ninety odd million. And then, are we going to spend over a hundred million in one summer transfer window? I mean, we're gonna, probably going to make player sales, but we're going to make what thirty million at most. So, I don't know. Would we splash it in two players when I think there's other areas we need as well? We might see a few surprise departures then to fund it. It's one of those. James Ward says we want better quality players. We have to pay more money. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you you do have to do that. It just I don't know. Just something about it doesn't doesn't quite sit right with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, with Phillips specifically, he's a very. I'm not saying he's not a good player because he is. I just I don't know, sixty million seems really steep. Um, would his injury record worry you a little bit? He's obviously missed a lot of this season. I think he missed a few games last season. I saw something that said he he missed a certain percentage of of Leeds games over the last two years, and that was like for a sixty million player who's only played. X, X amount that would that concern you at all if it I mean, was him that we go for I don't know if it concerned me but it obviously wouldn't concern the Villa owners who signed Danny Ings <laughs> who's yeah. got uh, done both did it both his knees got severe knee injuries or something but or did the same yeah. knee over it just same knee twice I think so yeah if they're willing to pay for that 
for Ings, then I'm sure they'd be fine with the Phillips. Uh, I mean, that's not a great case study, is it really? Because Dan Ings <laughs> hasn't really worked out, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, what is going on? Let's talk about Danny Ings and kind of our selection for for Saturday then. Saturday night, I think it is the game, half five. Um, Ings, I mean, people have seen it by now, but at the time we didn't know that he'd, his partner had given birth on this... Uh, when did we play? Did we play on Saturday? Yeah, Saturday, Saturday. so like the Friday night or the early hours of Saturday morning. Um, Ings wanted to still be involved and play, which I think is commendable, but I don't have any problem with his with him having, no. having the game off for, for that. So, barring the fact that he's not got injured and training or anything this week out of the blue, I assume he's back in the fold for Saturday's game. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Watkins scored that penalty. He did have a couple of chances that he could have done better with. Are you, if you're in the, if you're in charge, are you changing the systems to up front and they both play together, or are you swapping him straight for for Watkins? Yeah, I think we've looked best when we played in that four three one two. As I said, um, the Southampton game was there. I loved that. It was probably one of the most exciting games I've watched this season for for a while. From my memory, probably the Boxing Day one against Crystal Palace. Yeah, worked well against Brighton. Worked well against uh, Leeds. We look quite secure defensively. We look um, threatening going forward, and it gets Watkins and Ings playing together, which has been the problem all season, and playing well at that. Um, the only issue with that is. Like we said earlier, do you get Coutinho in or do you get Buendia in? Or do you even try? I've seen a few people mentioning that Buendia could maybe come in for like a Ramsey role. He likes players playing ahead of him, like in that number eight role, threading balls in to like he did for Watkins against Wolves. He's got the defensive work rate to play number eight, just whether or not we want to trial something like that. I do think Sanson should start again as well. So whether or not you're giving McGinn a rest, who's played a lot of football internationally and for Villa, I think he's played most of the games apart from when he was out with COVID and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's nothing to lose really in the back end of the season, is there? So maybe he should start trying. Really. I think Jared commented and was saying, oh yeah, I've got to look at Sanson sometimes. You probably will see an extended run from Sanson at the end of, end of the season. And yeah, trial things. I don't think I'd be going for like a tier, Tim Irabunum at um, CDM yet. Yeah, Louise, get two different number eights either side of him, see what happens. If um, I'm going to skirt over number 10 just for a second, so I'm going to come back to that. If um, Nakamba's fit and ready, would would he come in for a start? He played 50, 60 minutes for the under 23s mm-hmm. on, when was that? Was that Monday? So yesterday? Uh, yeah. Last week? Oh, I'm <laughs> all over the place. It's all merging into one, isn't it? Yeah, the campus play for the under 23s at some point. Um, as long as he's not got injured, would he come in for you for McGinn? Maybe uh, I'll probably leave it maybe one more game, getting him more, getting another week's training in. Don't want to risk him maybe as a substitute or something if you need him. Get him on the bench, but um, but then again, if they're fit enough to go on the bench, they're fit enough to play, aren't they? So maybe we'll give him a run out. As I said, nothing to lose, but maybe if you just didn't want to risk Nakamba again, risk losing him again, yeah, um, I'd be fine with Douglas Weiss coming back in. I thought he played well when he came on. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was going to say exactly the same. I'd have Louise from McGinn, to be honest. So I want to see more Sansong. Like you said, I don't see the point of him being around if he's going to have one game and then and then yeah. miss, go missing for 10. Or if he's fit, keep playing him and let's see what he's made of because we need to know whether he's going to be here next season, basically. Yeah. McGinn didn't have a great game, I didn't think, despite the, the positive stats that we posted. Um, so I'll be having Louise as the six, which again, I've said a million times, I don't think he is a six, but he's the best mm-hmm. six we've got until Nakamba's yeah. fully fit with Ramsey and Sanson as, as the eights. And I'd want Ings and Watkins up front together because that's where, where it looks like it has kind of started to work out yeah. of nowhere. And then that leaves you with not one number 10. 
Who is it for you, Coutinho or Brendia? Just give me a snapshot answer first, and then we'll go and we'll react to that. As the as the ten, it's still Coutinho for me. I don't think you can leave him out. I think he's just got that that game winning factor about him, especially at Villa Park. Like this, I saw a tweet, and it was like, oh, outside of Villa Park, he's just like not the same player. Yeah. He's absolutely stellar, isn't he? So just keep him going. Um, but yeah. I would uh, for me. I uh, going back to I'd, I'd try Buendia as like a, a number eight. I think so. You'd have like Louise Sanson Buendia as a three, effectively. Yeah, oh, I, I think Ramsey definitely needs a rest. I think he's played more than double the amount of minutes this season. He's slowly, slowly fading out of games with each performance. I think he just mm. does need a, a rest. He had the international break where he didn't get one either. He's playing. I think he got he played one game for England. So I'd just give him a rest and trial some something new. There's a comment from Michael. He says Chambers are six. I actually think Chambers might start centre back, and we'll come to that in a second. Mm-hmm. I'd have Wendia over Coutinho for this one, just because he's come on a few times and kind of yeah. I've kind of thought, oh yeah, he's too good to be sat on the bench. And I know you could say the same about Coutinho if you if you switch the roles around, but Coutinho hasn't really done a lot for. Yeah, we well, subbed him for Coutinho, so maybe that's yeah. a hint. But barely did he. There's the kind of that thought process to go like he's on loan. We've got to try and impress him. We want him to fall in love with the club and and know that he's going to get game time. You don't bench Coutinho if he's fit, um, unless you know he's not signing next year. In which case, yeah, let's 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 start phasing him out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd just try something different. We've lost three in a row, haven't we? So mm-hmm. I think what that gives you a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I know. I think I think someone said that um, if we lose Saturday. Well, Gerald will be on the same record as Smith was when he lost. I think it was one, two, lot, draw one, lost six, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the difference that it was five in a row for Smith, and it would only only be four. I mean, it's only only and four in a row this this week. Four progress. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sack Gerald now anyway. So just no. just forget about that. Um, I'll just try Brendia. Brendia behind the two strikers. This is your moment. The tea time game at, at home. You've had a break. Come on, impress. Show me why I'm not going to pick Coutinho going forward. Coutinho mm-hmm. and Gerard have obviously got a great relationship. Show me why you should play. That, that yeah. is what Gerard should be saying to Buendia. Then I'd have Louise, Ramsey and Sanson as a three. Back four, I assume Dina's got over his diarrhea problem or whatever he had. <laughs> so he comes back in at left back. I mean, I said, I said afterwards on Saturday, you can't help it if you come down with like a sickness yeah. or whatever. But, Surely you knew that before the game. Oh, to go off with again, ah, oh, it makes it sound really flaky. But to go off in in the game he did with a hamstring injury, and you kind of think, oh, he's probably going to be out for six weeks, and he's mm. playing for France like the week later. You think so injured, you got to come off, and then you can play ninety minutes the next week. That's annoying. Yeah. Then he comes back for Villa and plays twelve minutes before thinking, oh, I need a poo, and he's got to go off again. Like, <laughs> Yeah, again, it feels so flaky to me. I know you can't help it if you're ill, but it is starting to add up as in like, yeah, I doesn't quite fancy it. I'm just going to have a feign injury or whatever. Uh, anyway, he comes back in because he's better than Ashley Young, so that's that sorted. Uh, Matty Cash, so that the new contract starts at right back. And then it's Mings and, and Konza, who arguably have, neither have been great, really. There's a comment here saying Mings' performance has dropped off. I don't think Konza has been been as yeah. good as he was last year by any stretch of the imagination uh, calm and composed player this season as he was in ones prior is he uh, you'd was always if you were it. if you were ranking the two you always put Contra above Mings I don't really yeah, think there's a massive difference 
but I, st- I still do. But it's the, the gap between the two is much smaller this year than it than it yeah. would have been last year. Uh, like if you were looking to sell both, cons are still worth more. It's just mm-hmm. not been as good this year. So I think Chambers might come back in because it yeah. happened before. Chambers comes in when he's suspended. We've won a couple of games in a row, and he's out the side, and we've lost a couple. I'm not saying it's down mm-hmm. to Chambers, but there's every right to say, look, you played well when you when you were in. You come back in this week. So mm-hmm. for me, that's what three changes. Louise, Chambers and Brendia Owings as well for Bailey. So four changes for me is what I'd do. Because like you said, we're not really playing for a fat lot. We're at home. There's only a few home games left. I think there's four maybe at home. Uh, Liverpool, Burnley. Burnley. Palace. Uh, Palace. And, and, and Tottenham. So that's at least four. So you've limited time at home to impress your fans. Put on a, put on a display. Um, entertain. So go out there on the night game, show us what you've got and, and try and win the game. That's that's what Villa have got to do. Um, so I'd make a few changes. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, to be honest. Do you want to give us a score prediction while I check my notes? <sighs> Against an informed Tottenham team. I feel like we never beat Spurs. <laughs> Danny Ings got some goal against Spurs. I think he scored six against them and that's the joint most against any club in his career with Everton. So maybe his return. New baby on the scene is all fired up. Yeah, baby celebration. Yeah, baby, one with all ball under the uh, shirt. Yeah. Oh, that's pregnant. That's pregnant, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'll go two-one Villa, a lucky like ninetieth-minute winner, just to set the crowd. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I'd love a ninetieth-minute winner. I'm going to go. I'm realistic head. I'm going to go with a one-all. But yeah, two-one to to Villa is uh, is the optimistic one. A surprise mm-hmm. win, said Matthew, which would be lovely. Um, I just checked my notes, and there was one thing I would quickly wanted to ask you, just as we approach half an hour. Um, I want to kind of just quickly get your thoughts on who you'd be most worried about leaving now. Uh, this is totally out of the blue, but obviously transfer windows coming up in I think it's nine weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Cash has just signed a contract, who probably would have been the ones that you'd look at and think, oh. If he leaves, that's a bit of a, a gap that, that Villa will need to fix. But we were talking earlier in the week or, or last week that if you'd have said you know, Watkins might leave this summer or McGeen or, or Mings or whoever, if you go back 18 months, that would have been a big blow to, to have lost yeah. someone like that. Whereas now, the, my kind of feeling towards it is that pretty much anyone in this squad is is replaceable at this point. Martinez is down mm. to a contract. He's a big player. You wouldn't want to lose him. Cash, I feel the same way. Then it's probably Conso who's probably third for me, someone I wouldn't want to lose. Then after that, mm-hmm. kind of shrug my shoulders and think, yeah, if they leave and we get good money for them, I feel like we can replace them. Because this year, they've all been worse than they were last year. So quickly, your thoughts on, on your, how you kind of assess the squad, basically. Yeah, the main ones were Martinez and Cash that probably a few months ago I'd be thinking, oh no, we're in trouble here. I think they were both linked to Atletico Madrid as well. So uh, we've done well to tie those down. They're uh, the main ones for me. Konza, I think he was linked to Liverpool, wasn't he? And it, obviously that was quite scary. I think there was like a fifty million price tag put on him as well, or the rumours. Um, I don't think would we still get fifty million for him. No, I don't think we would. Not in this form. Uh, like people were annoyed that he didn't get called up to England. I was just thinking, he, what's he look like done to deserve an England call up? So far, like he, for a while, he wasn't getting in the squad, was he? He's got two red cards this season. It's been it's underwhelming to say the yeah. least. Um, I don't think they'd become looking for him now. Um, I still think he's a vital part and a really good player, and he'll be starting for us next season. I wouldn't sell him at all, but I don't think we've got any uh, worries of him leaving. Um, I'd still want to tie Watkins down to another contract, approaching his uh, prime. You know, 
He's still in the England squad in around about there. I think it's just been a disrupted season this season and he's had to get used to a new system. Um, the signs that he's getting there, he's making the runs, he's getting the chances and I think the uh, the goals will eventually flood in maybe next season, gets a proper pre-season in. Um, but yeah, Watkins is the main one for me probably outside of the obvious ones. Um, other than that, obviously I'd want McGinn to stay. I still want McGinn to stay part, part of the squad. Buendia, I'd want Buendia to stay but these aren't players that I'm worried someone's going to come in and swoop for. Yeah, I mean, McGinn was linked for it with United. I don't think they'd come for him now. And just certainly uh, not for that price tag. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, it's just about getting rid of assessing the squad. I'd just be getting rid of the Deadwood. I, I can't really see a future for Bertrand Traore. Mm. Um, Leon Bailey, Bailey, Leon yeah. Bailey. In this system, I can't see. I don't see him ever playing as like like he did against Wolves as the striker. I don't know how he played ninety minutes for us uh, against Wolves. I don't know how he got brought off because I thought he was pretty it's non-existent for me in that game. I just didn't see much of him. I know he had that shot saved by Saab. Other than that, like, I think like people always bring up his pace and like the energy or like the flair he brings. But he rarely like, takes a player on. Mm. I just haven't seen much. He might not be Matt Sharp, but for me, he's just not really grabbing that spot down. It's probably down to the system, to be honest. Like I think he needs to be played as a, as a normal, traditional winger with people overlapping and people creating space for him to operate within because this inside forward business and striker he's getting the ball with his back to goal he can't hold it up can he um he's getting no space to operate in i remember him running down the channel the other day against wolves with no support and three players around him i was just like this is only going to go one way isn't it <laughs> and it was absolutely nothing I and mean, you can't blame him for that it's just a difficult system for him to play in i think <clears throat> and i think there is a quality player there but i just don't think this current formation suits him yeah. So whether or not we change it or in the future it comes out and you get the best out of him just remains to be seen. But yeah, no, uh, that's how it says squad, to be honest. It's a big transfer window, isn't it? Because yeah, there's a lot of players that you look at and think, oh yeah, quite like them around the squad still. But you mentioned Ollie Watkins specifically. If someone comes in for 35, 40 million and says we want yeah. Watkins, I won't be that against saying, yeah, okay, I think we can replace him with that kind of cash. Mm. But somebody like McGinn, who, who would have been a target for Man United two years ago for uh, stupid money, like forty million, wasn't it? I think mm-hmm. I think the rumours were. I think even Ralph Ranyak wanted him. Yeah, I did. You're not going to get that kind of money from now. So if it's McGinn, it's going to leave for like ten mil. I'd rather keep him for that price. So it's going to be a big, big window for Gerard and, and the uh, recruitment people at Villa. So mm-hmm. um, that's why I've got the job, and, and we just sit here and talk about it because I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So we'll call it a day there on this podcast. Um, don't know whether we'll do another one pre-Spurs, but if we do, follow the pages and all those kind of things and you'll you'll see it first. And um, we will be back on oh, probably Saturday night after Villa play Spurs. I don't know. There's conversations to be had outside of the podcast as we plan the rest of our week. But yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, we'll see you again at some point in the next few days. Um, thank you for watching and see you later. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.